0: This is the Pain Information Network 43. It's my pleasure to have Dr. Orlando Floretti today from Jacksonville, Florida. He's going to talk about medical marijuana. We're conflicted as caregivers, uh, providers, and just those that walk down the street. We just are trying to figure out what in the world we're going to be doing with medical marijuana or marijuana in general. It's a topic of discussion. Dr. Floretti is an expert in pain. He treats celebrities, pro athletes, and those from all walks of life. He's an educator, and he helps policymakers make really good decisions for legitimate pain care and make sure it's the rule of the day. He creates continuing medical education events and invites the best to propagate a valuable educational experience. And I've been part of that. These CME events are really good. It puts together a lot of good people to get good information out there. I'm elated to have him talk to us about this subject. It's a difficult subject, and it's a hard one to tackle. So let's get to it. I have today Dr. Lando Floretti, very esteemed physician in Florida, who joins us at the American Society of Interventional Pain Physicians meeting, where we're talking about regenerative medicine, we're talking about endoscopic spine surgery for certain spinal conditions, and I'm involved with the controlled substance management course, where the topic of marijuana comes up. Now, Dr. Floretti is a Fine speaker. I just heard a fantastic lecture he gave, so I can't let him get out of here without talking a little bit about medical marijuana and marijuana in general. Tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Well, my name is Orlando Floretti Jr., I'm a board certified anesthesiologist and pain management specialist from Jacksonville, Florida. I actually went through medical training rather in a prolonged period of training, because I did my medical degree in the Philippines, and then I did an internal medicine residency, followed by a cardiology fellowship, then I decided I didn't like that. So I then went to the United States and underwent training in anesthesiology at the University of Florida, then did a critical care fellowship, and then had additional training in pain at the University of Kentucky and the University of Virginia. For the next four years, I did academic medicine, primarily doing pain management, anesthesia, and critical care. I didn't realize that I could not afford to pay my mortgage. So I went to private practice, and I established the first interdisciplinary pain program in Jacksonville. I was the first board-certified pain doc who did that, and it's called the Institute of Pain Management, and it has grown to the point that we now see between 3,500 to to 4,000 patients a month. And we treat, across the board, any type of chronic pain.
0: It's a lot of patients. That's exhausting. Um, (laughs) But I'm glad you helped so many, and uh, you have some real cutting-edge thoughts. And so that takes us as a segue right into medical marijuana and marijuana in general. Let's start by talking not about philosophy, or current legal standards or expectations for the future. But let's just say marijuana has gotten this medical spin. What does marijuana do that, that really helps people?
1: Marijuana is a rather versatile plant or drug, whatever you want to look at it, because it covers a lot of It provides a lot of relief for a significant number of conditions, such as, for example, it's an excellent medication for people who are nauseous. It's an excellent appetite stimulant. It allows people to gain weight. And, of course, it is a very good medication for pain. It has been used also to help people with migraines, help people sleep, control their anxiety. In, in cancer patients, they not only help the, the above-mentioned symptoms of nausea, loss of appetite, weight loss, but it's believed that it has also some anti-tumor activities.
0: The anti-tumor activities, yeah. I'm just starting to hear this stuff for the first time. It's, it's very interesting. You know, the anti-emetic or anti-nausea effects are are well-known. There's a drug right now we can get on the market called Marinol that kind of works, and it does have marijuana tendencies without the high. But enter marijuana and some rather liberal states that believe marijuana can treat everything from back pain to headaches to chest pain to myalgias. Take her away.
1: Well, we have, I have to emphasize, though, that there is some medical basis for those claims. However, I would just like to say that people are pushing marijuana as medicine in the form of smoking, and uh, that is a wrong way to promote the drug because marijuana, when you smoke it, you do not know how much you're getting in terms of the effective ingredient or ingredients of the plant, which is your tetrahydrocannabinol, the second one is of course is cannabidiol. So those are the two most important components of marijuana that contribute to their effectiveness as a as a medication. When you smoke it, you took you take in six hundred. Different compounds, 60 different cannabinoids, it has the same component as cigarettes except for the absence of nicotine. Therefore, the patient is exposed potentially to the same danger as cigarette smoking.
0: And that being COPD, lung disease, cancer, and tell me how this happens. We have in our brain, from a neurobiological standpoint, receptors for cannabinoids, or, you know, the a, a, the place for tetrahydrocannabinol to go. How does that work? Were we plants once? Well,
1: <laughs> the body is 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 actually richly has as a rich concentration of receptors, what that we call as endocannabinoid receptors. There are two types. One is cannabinoid receptor one, which is concentrated in the brain. And the second one is cannabinoid 2 receptors, which are concentrated actually in macrophages, in epithelial cells, underneath the skin. And actually, it's the cannabinoid 2 receptor that has primarily an anti-neucisceptive effect. In the brain, cannabinoid 2 receptors are also present, but they're concentrated in microglial cells. These are actually cells that are involved in regeneration of the brain and involved in neuroplasticity. So that probably where the effect of marijuana is good as far as the brain is concerned. These receptors are very responsive to naturally occurring cannabinoids that those are present in, in the marijuana plants. They're also responsive even to synthetic cannabinoids. that are those that are produced by uh, the pharmaceutical companies.
0: Now, just to clarify, he said anti nosiaceptive uh, properties. A nociceptor is normal if it hurts it, it creates pain, and we have different nociceptor fibers. We have A delta and we have C fibers. C fibers are dull, aching phylogenetically or very old, old type of pain fibers, and A delta are sharp electric fast type of pain fibers that you know you stub your toe and you quickly pull back and you put your hand on the hot oven you quickly pull back where that vague abdominal pain or bone break bone hurt pain is a c fiber nociceptor and marijuana seems to work on both tell me how it works on neuropathic pain
1: well in the in neuropathic pain marijuana has the or the the, the Cannabinoids in marijuana appears to modulate the serotonin pathway and also inhibit the glutamate pathway in simple terms. It allows neuroinhibition over excitation. So basically, simply put, you reset the pain thermostat way down, The pain that we see in neuropathic pain or from nerve injury, you basically modify that and cut it down.
0: Yeah, Elliot Gardner, I believe he's still with the NIH or it was with the NIH, is a researcher and a very well-known researcher, smart, smart, smart. I've heard him lecture. He's unequivocally sure that marijuana reduces pain. Now, my patients claim it does, but it's also very relaxing. Tell me some of the other things it does
1: the effect of the cannabinoid 1 receptor on stimulation by the components of marijuana especially tetrahydrocannabinol results in relaxation it also results in slippiness. it also results in actually uh, people, it results in people being high too
0: okay yeah okay there's a euphoria the the, uh, I kind of like this stuff, and it's problematic in kids. And you tell, you know, tell us a little bit about the brain and the risks.
1: Well, the greatest risk, actually, of the side effects of marijuana is when we use it early. When kids use it early, it has been shown that through the years, it will predispose them to the development of increased incidence of bipolar disorders, increased incidence of psychop- uh, schizophrenia, Uh, psychotic episodes, as well as progressive reduction in cognition.
0: Yeah, that reduction in cognition is important because it looks like it's irreversible. So if you get kids and they're smoking and they're getting high and they're saying, like, yeah, no big deal, that's going to happen. Well, it might have happened, and it might not be reversible. So time will tell, but it kind of looks like that. So, okay, who's going to become an addict?
1: The one that has a genetic predisposition to it. Yeah. The, the problem is if you look at the incidence of addiction in this country, the numbers that are floated around they say that there is a 10 to 15 percent incidence of addiction regardless of what the drug is because – That 10 to 15 percent accounts for the the genetically predisposed to abuse. That holds true for marijuana as well.
0: And, and, you know, anything used in excess that has a habituating potential is a setup for addiction, even in normal people. It looks like as high as 20 to 30 percent of folks that use heroin. Are going to be hooked and they may be hooked for life. So it's a character of the drug, it's who you are, it's your psychosocial experience, it's so much. But you know, it does look like there, there's going to be marijuana acts. And I had a discussion last week with a patient of mine who's, who's not going to give up marijuana. And I said, you know, it's affecting your health care. And he said, I'm not giving it up. You got young kids at home. That's all right. You know, the chances of them smoking is pretty high. You, you, do you see that across families?
1: In families with history of abuse, substance abuse or alcoholism, the incidence of addiction to any specific medication or uh, drug or marijuana is really extremely high. It's just one of the risk factors that actually give us a pause to whether prescribe this kind of product to the patient.
0: Yeah, if you have a... Offspring from an alcoholic, they're eight times as likely to become a uh, alcoholic themselves. And so, you know, there's this thing called a skip generation. Sometimes kids see what it did to their parents. They don't want anything to do with it. That's a good thing. So the generation skips, but that doesn't change the genetics for the next generation. Right, let's get into the real, real meat here. So what are we going to do in the future? I, is, there, is there a better way to do marijuana?
1: Yes, tetrahydrocannabinol is the most psychoactive component of marijuana. What it means is it is the one that causes the people to feel high. It alters reality. It alters sensory perception. It has its positive effects, of course, in terms of appetite stimulation, weight gain, anti-nausea effect. However the more important component of marijuana that we should play focus on is the cannabidiol, because it is the drug that is actually anti-THC. It's a blocker of THC, but in itself has a potent pain-killing effect. And it does not have the euphoria that you see with using THC. Therefore, To have a safe medical marijuana in place, the THC concentrations should be low and the cannabidiol concentration should be high. Unfortunately, especially in Colorado, they manipulated the marijuana plant to the point where the cannabidiol is extremely low or absent and the tetrahydrocannabinol is high. In the 60s, your parents probably are using marijuana with a THC concentration of 1% to get high. In states where marijuana is legal, they manipulated the plants to the point that you're getting marijuana plants with THC content of 10 up to 30 percent, which may explain why, in the most recent reports from the University of Colorado, there's increased incidence of accidents, uh, psychotic episodes, and other um, issues including uh, cognitive abnormalities, uh, memory impairment, because of the very high concentration of THC. So uh, on the medical side, THC should be cut down significantly. And even in the recreational side, I think there should be a set limit of how high the THC should be made available.
0: Yeah, it never ceases to amaze me. The people that argue so hard for this drug in its smoking form that, you know, it's it's unregulated. It's unknown. It isn't FDA cured. And how many how many of these drugs have we seen? The Vioxxes, uh, reficoxib, and so many of these others. The Bextra's—they're taken off the market with just a couple of incidences or a, a very few incidences in a highly regulated FDA drug. But marijuana is okay, and we don't know really what's in it. So smoke your 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 uh, little yeah. head out.
1: And and this is what makes marijuana unique. Because the approval of marijuana as medicine is through the political process.
0: That's correct. And it's not
1: true the uh, strict requirement of the Food and Drug Administration as to the approval of a drug before introduction to the U.S. market. The fact of the matter is the Food and Drug Administration has not approved a single drug whose method of delivery is by smoking.
0: Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's a legislated drug is what it is. And we're going to have to live with that because it's a political drug. So, folks, you don't know what you're getting out there. When you buy it in a shop, good luck. But why don't you touch a minute about when you're chomping it down, when you're eating it?
1: Let us differentiate what happens when you eat it or when you smoke it. When you smoke it, 50% of the THC is immediately absorbed in the lungs In within minutes it will reach the brain. But when you eat it, the onset is very slow from half an hour to, 20 to two hours so that you will not get the high immediately. So the tendency for people or who wants to get high is to eat more and eat more. But the problem is by doing so you expose yourselves to the greater uh, concentration of THC and probably to the point of toxicity. in that product They'll stay in your system up to five hours. So eating it as a means of getting high probably is a poorer choice than smoking it. Nor for the method of delivery as a drug, since we do not know how much THC is in the food, just as like in smoking, it is also a poor choice of a delivery system for us medication.
0: Absorption is variable between everybody. But, you know, this, this is going to bring one thing up. Marijuana is pretty safe. We're not seeing people drop like flies. With uh, heroin, they're just dropping like flies. Yeah, heroin's getting laced with f- fentanyl now, which, as I mentioned, is 100 times more potent than morphine. And that's a front-row seat. Yeah, sure. The person that's buying the dime bag says, I've got to get more of that. That was incredible. That's a great dealer. But all the dealers doing is taking fentanyl, cutting it, and they're dying. Now, marijuana. Tell us about that.
1: Let me tell you about the safety of marijuana as a medicine. Marijuana is one of the safest, if not the safest, painkiller available, for the reason that there is no single reported death associated with medical marijuana use. The deaths as has been reported, is usually due to the combination of other drugs, including the presence of alcohol, opioids, benzodiazepines, and other central nervous system depressants. Also, the side effects of the drug is very mild compared to the opioids and other drugs used for pain. fact of the matter is... In 2014 alone, there were over 16,000 deaths associated with opiate overdose and zero death in marijuana. That makes that drug way much safer than uh, what is commercially available now.
0: Uh, What do you think the future of this drug is going to be? Where are we going forward?
1: I am hopeful at the same time fearful. I'm hopeful because we know that marijuana, if regulated properly, as a medicine, will be an extremely good drug to help a variety of medical conditions. Patients with chronic pain will benefit significantly from it. People with neurologic disorders and HIV disease and other forms of neuropathic pain will be greatly benefiting from this drug. However, what I'm afraid of, as what's happening in Canada, in the United Kingdom, and in Australia, as well as in parts of the country where medical marijuana is already legalized, smoking was allowed as a form of delivery. Edibles were allowed as a form of delivery. The problem with that is we are now uh, delivering a drug whereby we do not know the concentration of the drug. We do not know what other components are there. We need to create a system whereby we'll be able to allow the patient only to access marijuana product that contains only tetrahydrocannabinol and cannabidiol, but it should be that the THC will be much, much lower in concentration compared to the cannabidiol to prevent the people from getting the so-called euphoria, addiction, and dependence.
0: I'm afraid uh, the cat's out of the bag that... People are going to pretty much politically demand what they want, and they see the political will, will collapse, and they'll, they'll get what they want, not what they need. So, you know, uh, do you have any closing comments? Well, the, uh, I, would suggest,
1: I would just like to address for those physicians and healthcare providers out there who've been very anti marijuana from the start. As I always say, the train already has left the station. If you're not on board on it, you're done. Yeah, you have to deal with it, and you have to deal with it in your own way, what you think is right and proper. There is no correct answer, but what I would like to say is it has a role in medicine, but the role has, needs to be better defined.
0: Very good. That, that was a fantastic discussion, and I really appreciate you coming on. and. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have you back. Sorry, I'm going to have you back. You did too great a job. <laughs> Thank you very much. Take care, buddy. So that was Dr. Floretti. I told you he was good, and it was a really great talk we had with him on a very difficult subject. And medical marijuana, like you said, is here to stay, so we are going to have to deal with it. Leave your comments on paininformation.com and we read them all, and go rate us and give us a review on iTunes. It really helps us rate and rank, and other people can find us. I appreciate all your input. What we need to do is just continue to move forward and do the right things for the right reasons, so we look forward to hearing from you.